You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. This week, Kelly and I used the beginning of a new year as an opportunity to discuss regular and irregular increases in demand. Many of us often begin a new year with goals to increase our participation in a given activity. Additionally, there are often times when there are spontaneous increases in our excitement for activities resulting from events like the Hunger Games influencing archery participation. We'll discuss how outdoor industries can harness this excitement to create lasting participants and ensure lifelong customers. Let's get into it. I I love the first two weeks of the year. Actually, I hate them. Don't tell anybody. That's parenthetical. The first two weeks of the year, everybody's on fire to do stuff. When I was competing and going to the gym every day, I hated these two weeks. Yeah. It, the gym was crowded with what at the time weren't, you know, they're really, really, really enthusiastic, but really kind of dumb. And they kind of got in the way for a little while, but they were really enthusiastic. And I'm, I kind of see that, you know, around town, I'm seeing people on new electric stuff electric bikes and seeing them on a lot of electric scooters. And we don't have scooter share in my town yet because apparently we're Mm. too small, which is fine. I think it's super fun to play with your toys after you get them for the holidays. And, you know, I want to ask you, Patrick, did you get any new toys for Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate? No. You didn't get any new toys? Are you getting dad stuff now? I'm getting lots of dad stuff. Yeah. Did you get a hammer? Uh, Did you get a saw? (laughs) I have a two and a half car garage filled with woodworking things. My family knows better than to give me those things because they don't know what I have and what I need. I did get Lowe's gift cards to get myself, not hammers and saws, but other woodworking things. And I have like, I've replicated a workbench that I had at a bike shop a long time ago too. So I've got plenty of tools for working on bikes, which is great to be the one friend in the friend group that used to be a mechanic. So I get to do everyone's maintenance for them for six packs of beers and, and multiples of six, depending on how many issues that have to fix on their bike. So it could be a 12 pack. It could be a 24 pack. With that little business model, what do you need Christmas gifts for? I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah. My daughter who, who will turn 18 months today got a balance bike, which we're not quite ready for yet because it's icy outside. Right. I think she's just a month or two away from being able to use it, but I'm sure we'll start wearing through the tires on that come April, May, June. Yeah, uh, that's that's incredible. I mean, I got my 18-month-old nephew a stuffed toy. He's not ready for a bike. Yet. I'm, <laughs> I'm pushing her. Well, you know, the, it's a balance bike, like a Strider, yeah. where there's no wheels or anything, and you're just kind of yeah. like walking along. And and then ideally, you would skip the training wheel phase, right? So you, you have the balance, and you kind of have the mechanics down enough to be able to hop on and figure it out. But I'm not trying to push her, per se, but I'm trying to create a love for outdoor activities in a way that doesn't ruin it for her, you know? That's nice. My parents did yeah. that for me by basically, you know, punishing us by making us stay in the house. So <laughs> that's <laughs> it was punishment. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'm the generator, I'm Gen X. So, you know, it was come home when the street lights come on. And if you don't, maybe we'll look for you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I only stayed out past the street lights once. And my mother was not having it. So I came home when streetlights came on after that. Yeah, I was I was the youngest. So, you know, I was regularly herded and kept out of trouble simply because if I got if I got in trouble, then I was going to get in trouble twice. 
Mm -hmm. from the the parental units and then once from the siblings who are pissed because every time one of us got in trouble, they always found a reason to fault everybody. So that yeah, we had a we have very wolf like morals growing up in my family. That's that's too funny. Yeah. So so tell me about the activities that you're doing now that you're like on a high coming after the holidays that you're spending your time doing and and you are optimistic about keeping that activity up in the new year and, and maybe you do. Okay, I'll tell you two. Uh, I'll give you two examples. Opening day at my local ski resort was Christmas Day, and I, I ended up not going because I was thinking about it, and I didn't wake up early, and I wasn't going to get first tracks, and I had to go down to Virginia for my brother's big birthday and Christmas bash, which is awesome, by the way. So I didn't go, but it was pretty warm, and so I cruised out on nothing other than my uh, my electric longboard. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, if the snow's gonna, gonna be great, the pavement's not gonna be crowded. I'll tell you that right now. That and yeah, during during the holiday week, I I did manage to get first tracks like that Tuesday after okay. Christmas. And yeah. it, and it was it was a little icy. I mean, this is where I live and it was fantastic. But then it warmed up and I, you know, and I was, you know, faced with a choice. I was like longboard, longboard, longboard instead of ski, longboard, ski. So am I gonna keep that up? Yeah. What you just saw evidence of the three dogs that I have and they require some amount of walking. So Maddie, yeah, I walk Maddie about, I don't know, we walk about 15, 20 miles a week. So I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where I am. It's, but my weather's pretty mild. I mean, for the most part, maybe there's maybe like, you know, late January, February can be a little bit nasty, but you know, overall, it's pretty pleasant in Maryland in the winter. It's not icy. It's, you know, it can be cold. It can be warm. I mean, we, we sit, we sort of sit right on that place mm-hmm. where the jet stream differentiates between different pressure systems, right? So it, it's, yeah. a, it's a mixed bowl. And so I have to have alternatives like, okay, I, want, I, I have the feeling that I want to go skiing. However, these factors are a barrier. So I'm going to choose this. Also for Christmas, the toy I got from Santa, <laughs> also known as me. I bought a um, an FP. It's called an FPV. So first person. Um, view. Oh, you told me about right? this. Yeah, a first person view racing drone. Yeah, you know it's a DJI Mavic. I got the Flymore package, so I've got about I've got about forty minutes of in flight duration. Yeah, I can cool. I can do that, and it's amazing because you are literally. I've got a VR headset, and I'm outside. I have to be outside, mm-hmm. but it's funny. I'm outside with a VR headset on, actually having the experience of flying this flying drone. Yeah, it's it's pretty That's incredible. Wild. It is. And I haven't I've got to get an SD card because right mm-hmm. now I'm not videoing, but like my brother wants me to come down and they live he has a house like on the Potomac River down oh, a little cool. past past Fredericksville. It's a beautiful property. He's got a couple like 10 acres. He's got something he calls the North 50s. So, you know, whatever, but they're right on the river mm-hmm. and uh his son brought his beagle down. And his beagle was a rescue, and she's prone to, you know, jumping ship. She's prone to running away. Ooh, and yeah. when she was when she was down there, this and this is the second time she's run away for a long duration. She ran away there, and they think she's in the woods. You know, they think she's around there, but they don't have the capacity to go searching. They keep they've got cameras up and a food bowl, and they've caught her a couple of times. So they want now they want me to come down with my drone and find her. How, How cool would that be? That's wild. Yeah. And the the neat thing about that also is that I find new trails. I can find new trails by just, you know, I can just shoot mm-hmm. the drone up and it's, I, I can carry in a backpack without a problem. So That's I can so hike cool. with it. I can bike with it. I'm super excited about it. And when I start recording stuff, I'll, you know, we'll talk about that a little more. 
I, I dig this topic of like surges in Stoke following some like event, right? I think the the time that I was most excited to see like a huge influx of outdoor rec participants was when I lived in Fort Collins, Colorado. Pokemon Go came out and I had a loop that I would ride on my bike. I had a, a single speed road bike that I would ride on the same loop because there's only one way to go about Fort Collins where you didn't break yourself on hills on a single speed. All of a sudden there were just kids everywhere on bikes on scooters on skateboards just walking around kids everywhere it was like a couple weeks where everyone was really really excited about that and it was so fun to see a love for the outdoors ignited or reignited getting kids outside we sort of saw that during covid too not sort of we definitely saw that during covid too the first couple months of covid where you know like let's say april may june the weather was mild it wasn't like this long tail of winter that sometimes april can have and and even in may and june we've had snow in colorado in some years which is bananas to me as a texan but it really causes this increase in participation that was great now i think we i'll say we as the industry know how to handle seasonal surges in demand for the products around the holidays that we can plan for and i think we picture ourselves as being tactical enough to to handle surges that, that sort of emerge out of the thin air, like Pokemon Go, like COVID. But it's so much trickier to navigate when, um, you know, like all of a sudden there's demand that you didn't anticipate. And then that results in, you know, we, we've talked about the bull effect plenty of times, how that information gets distorted going up. And all of a sudden we go, oh, shoot, we need 2x, 3x, 4x, whatever products we thought we needed right now. And then it turns into 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 going up the line and, and we end up drowning in a glut of inventory typically. But yeah, I, I've um, I've sort of bastardized your ha! podcast topic here no, and, and no, taking, no. It, taking it into uh, like unforeseen surges in demand causing I ripple like effects this. in the market that, you know, sometimes turn into bigger waves than ripples. They do. And it, well, one thing I was going to point out in terms of how we manage this in the industry, in the market, but there's one marketing campaign that has to that has to convince people to buy these things not only you know for others in their in their immediate circle as well as themselves so you've got marketing campaigns that are just convincing people that this is a cool thing to buy and it's going to be a cool experience to have etc one thing i've noticed is that once we get to the first two weeks in january or the olympics or world cup mm -hmm. when that excitement is at its peak there's not a lot of action I think there's some effort, but not a lot of effort to engage those people that got super excited and went to the gym for the first two weeks. And it, it, I mean, we know the pattern that, you know, of the yeah. 90 people that showed up, maybe we keep eight of them over, you, you know, eight, eight of them continue to show less up. Less than over 10%. Those, eh, I might be being pessimistic, but in, in, any, oh, any time you right say, me. I mean, conversion rate, for example, conversion rate in, in snow sports is about 17%. The conversion rate in flight school from like actually trained to become a pilot to actually becoming a pilot is less is it's right around 15%. So when I think about this, I mean, it's not completely analogous, but yeah, you know, I'm happy that that many people try something and say, yeah, maybe it's not for me, but yeah. there's not a lot. It doesn't seem like there's enough work to engage people once and when we, you know, we could, we could actually graph excitement, right? We could graph an <laughs> excitement curve. Yeah. And and I think that the time to start working on engagement rather than selling 
is right around three quarters of the way past the curve. When you're, you are headed down, but you're not, I mean, you haven't bottomed. You're sort of halfway between the peak and what could be, you know, basically the status quo. Sure. So I wonder, you know, what could we do? And I, you know, outdoors, there are a lot of different aspects to this because I'm covering 51 categories and you're covering about seven, but you know, is there, is there something that we could do to keep that stoke up? How do we, how do we sustain the stoke? I'll answer your question. Is there something we can do? Yes. What is it? I don't know. Right? right? <laughs> That's the tricky part. We're we're working on some research right now to better understand the COVID writer we're we're calling those who started writing during the pandemic or maybe restarted writing after many years of not writing. Like why did some folks stick with it and why might others have not continued that activity? You know, like it, it's easy to imagine someone who started writing after 10 years of not riding a bicycle. COVID hits. They said, you know what? It's nice outside. I want to get outdoors. I have a bike. I'll dust it off. I'm going to go ride. And then that summer of 2020, they rode a lot. And then all of a sudden, you're going back into the office a couple days a week and then maybe five days a week and you're traveling for work and you have you have commitments outside of the home that are taking your time and you go, okay, well, maybe I'm not, I'm not riding as much. Like, I don't think it's the case that the outdoor industry has to passively watch as we see surges in demand for our activities, surges in participation, I'll say, and then watch that dip back down and go, that was nice. I wish we could have kept them. Oh, well. And then we go about our, our business, you know, there is something we can do. There are levers we can pull. I know that when we do research in the bike industry, typically the two, and, and this isn't unique to bike. This is, I've, I've found this in hunting. I found this in fishing. I found this in wildlife viewing. The two biggest levers that can be pulled are like social capital. Like I, I need an invitation from a friend or a family member. That's what's going to get me outside. And for any of us that have had the alarm go off at 530 to go meet the friend at the trailhead to go ride or go meet them on the mountain to go get first tracks or whatever, you're like, absolutely not. I'm not getting out of this bed. And then you go, oh, damn it. My buddy's waiting on me. I owe it to them. And they're having the same conversation in their yeah, head as their alarm's going off. You know? but, but just that social network of folks, that friends and family members and like shop regulars and, and the person that you always see on the ride that you want to go hang out with and ask them about their week or whatever. Like that's such a huge motivating factor that is an easy lever to pull. We've talked about technology and we've talked about apps and we've talked about dealer networks and ways that, that we can organically create community and create this sense of belonging where I want to ride, I want to ski, I want to hike, I want to swim, I want to fish, whatever, because that's what all my friends are doing. That's so huge to building that lasting activity. The other lever is like infrastructure slash awareness of places where I can go do this thing safely and and do it well and not have overly congested trailheads or overly congested bike lanes or whatever it may be, overly congested streams if I'm fly fishing. That's a little bit of a longer play, but I think if there's one sort of challenge to folks who are are feeling like there's nothing that we can do to keep the stoke up, I guess, to, to go back to the way you phrased it, there's so many ways to engage new participants to welcome them into the fold. You know, you and I have talked about ways that dealers and retailers can um, can serve this role in making sure that, you know, like some of the bro culture is minimized and we're not making fun of people for wearing the wrong socks. We're like stoked that that person with the wrong socks is out on the ride because they could have very easily stayed home. That's the quickest and easiest way to make sure that we keep that stoke high. 
Yeah, I and agree. then we sell them shit down the line too. That's the other thing, you know. Like it's, I guess that's the long play too. Is that it's not just that second or third week of the year where we're like, "Hey, you've been coming in, keep coming in, keep coming on the ride, keep doing whatever," and then a year or two down the road, they're going to upgrade their thing and they're going to continue to be a part of that community. Yeah, and they might. Hey, it's a, it's an amazing thing. It's like watching a, a flower open. I don't want to interrupt too much, but we should talk about fitness snacks here in a minute. And I'm not talking about food, but it's, I guess the, the really interesting thing is like building that sense of community also solves fundamental problem for a lot of Americans who are just lonely. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an epidemic. There's an epidemic of loneliness in this country. So it's not completely related, but the sense of community and, and the fact that your friends are up there and you've had great social experiences doing it before, that's, that's really key. So you know, taking care of the experience of these beginners that are, you know, that are so psyched because it's mm-hmm. tabla rasa 2023, right? Um, yeah. It's, I think, engaging them is key and making sure that those first experiences are key and that you're bringing them into the community. Hang on. Yeah. And I think going back to my, my sort of switch from holiday stoke to just like advantageous bumps in participation and uh, excitement about an activity. I think that what you and I have described here is something that that can be uh, achieved when there's like a planned sort of increase in participation, like your example of gyms typically seeing an influx of new customers in January as we're all like sitting out with these new goals for the year. And it's also easy enough to imagine a world where we can act on this information when all of a sudden there is an increase in participation because of COVID or because of Pokemon Go sort of creating the stoke or because of the World Cup or whatever it may be. I sort of baited you into this because I wanted to talk about something <laughs> that I saw on social media a lot at the beginning of the year. And it was specifically, it was New Year's Eve, New Year's, and sort of there's some tapering beyond that. But it was the idea of first hike, like last hike, first oh. hike. I'm going to hike the sand. Huh. A lot of social media people, you know, it's sort of a trend where you show yourself doing your first hike or or That's document cool. that you did your first hike. But the thing I've noticed is that I haven't seen a lot of second, third, fourth, fifth hikes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll happen this weekend. I don't know. But I mean, that's one area mm. people there and they're coming out on social media. And it's cool. And they're getting some, you know, just some general social encouragement to do it because it's like, hey, good yeah. for you, man. You went for a hike. And, you know, I'm happy about it because people are thinking, oh, this sounds like a good idea. Hiking. That's it. Look at they seem to be having a lot of fun hiking. And that's a beautiful view. I think I'll go. That's great. But I'm I am looking for ways to keep people engaged in something like that. And yeah. if they're doing it for the gram, you know, what can I do to incentivize them to do it for the gram every week? Yeah, I maybe I spent too long talking about in-person interactions with dealers and stuff. And we've only briefly touched on technology and apps, but there's so many ways to use gamification to create that sense of community and that that like challenging yourself and being a part of a group that's like comparing our stats on Strava or RideSpot or whatever it is, just being like, oh yeah. man, I'm I'm going to totally get more rides on this segment of the bike trail than this other person who's in my neighborhood that rides that same trail. Yeah, there's, there's so many opportunities now with the way that we're using technology and apps to like enhance our experience of the activity. It can also be used to leverage that sense of community. You can basically claim a sense of community simply by yeah. posting on social media. And I love it. I love it. I love hike talk. I love hike it. TikTok. Well, so you know, cool. I you know, I followed a bunch of through hikers. Yeah, yeah. It was that was that was a, a very amazing and, and interesting experience. 
it, it occurred to me when I saw that, and I was somebody asked me, "Hey, did you have a happy new year?" And I was sort of in a cynical mood, and I said, "The two least favorite weeks of the year are the week the week after Labor Day and the first week in January. I just hate them both for the same reasons." What's wrong with on, the week after Labor Day? I think because everybody's conditioned to have a tabla rasa fresh start after Labor Day because that's when we used to have to go back to school. Oh, yeah, that week sucks. Well. <laughs> September 1st is the opening day of dove season in every state that I've lived in. And so I go harvest a couple dove on the first or the second or the third. So that first week is always fun for me because it's like the the beginning of hunting season. And it's pretty good eating for a few days too. But I have a different view of Labor Day than you, but that's I, I hear what you're saying. That's well, funny. you know, you're an outlier. I find outliers beautiful. So I'm calling you an outlier. And that is probably one of the highest compliments I can bestow upon you. Patrick Hogan, you, you, my friend, are an outlier. (laughs) You know, I think that, you know, we've got to, as an industry, think of ways to take advantage of times in which people are more impassioned about, about, and it could be very, very specific. It could be categorical. You know, what is, what is FIFA doing to stoke peaked interest in, in soccer? Mm -hmm. I haven't, I haven't seen a lot, but I think, I think these things are worth taking a closer look at and considering. And um, I think I think as researchers, you and I are going to have a lot of fun trying to identify peaks and valleys in passion. Yeah, let me let me ask you this: Do you have an example of a moment in time where we saw some sort of surge that was then responded to in a way that you think was exemplary? We've talked about movies and their impact on participation before, but in this case, I mean, it was The Hunger Games. It was a series of books and movies that was specifically aimed at adolescent girls and hit everybody else too. And suddenly participation in archery was way up and Mm -hmm. the the archery industry responded pretty well. I mean, they did all kinds of things to help girls learn how to shoot bow and arrow, to provide them with the equipment that was necessary for them to have a good time, including target shooting and the, you know, a walk around course where you can, you can shoot at targets and walk around or, or ride a horse. So they did a lot. And I mean, the effort can't be, it's not going to be sustained forever if it's, you know, we're, we're seeing participation in archery kind of wane a bit, but it's at this point, it's almost generational. I mean, I'm almost going to, we're almost onto a new generation of girls. So the idea that they, that they recognized what was going on and tried to provide education gear and encouragement for the group that had picked it up. I give, I'm going to give archery a thumbs up on this. Yeah. What a great example. Thanks. I love that. What about, Uh, let's talk about, I don't know. I kind of want to talk about stranger things. Oh yeah, I sent you that email. I, I forget what outlet it was, but they um, they reported an increase in bicycle sales as a result of kids wanting to roam roam their neighborhood on bikes as a result of Stranger Things, which is killer, right? No and like I don't, it's so maybe I'm just excited because that's how I went about my neighborhood was riding my BMX bike around with everyone else and uh, going to the park or going to the candy store or going. Uh, down to the creek to skip rocks or whatever. Dude, why so. does it sound like you grew up in like 1952? <laughs> <laughs> well, you grew up in, a, in in Texas, didn't you? Yeah, but I grew up in a suburb of Dallas. I grew up in, I mean, it, it, it was neat because it was equidistant from the city center and from like the sticks, from like the real sticks. But yeah, you know, it's it's a suburb just like any other major city has suburbs. You know, it, it, you could drop it anywhere and it would fit just fine. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'm glad you brought that back up because I think we touched on that before, that Stranger Things sort of making it cool to to roll around on a bike did have a noticeable effect in the market. Yeah. 
Well, it's, it's sort of interesting to think that when we look at what has moved the needle mm-hmm. over the years, that it, it seems to indicate that we should all just be writing scripts mm. for Hollywood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. That's uh, not a job for me, but I, I would uh, applaud anyone who wants to, to go that route. I'm the numbers guy, not the words guy. Me too. Me too. <laughs> but, but maybe, you know, I've got, I've got, I'm thinking about it in my head. I've got it. We just need, actually, what we need are the right, you know, the right stars. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at what, um, there are a wide array of outdoor movies to talk about from, we can talk about Stranger Things, which is technically TV. We could talk about things like Hunger Games. We could talk about what was it? What was the name of the movie, the surfer movie, where that was that was semi biographical about the the woman who lost her arm to a oh, shark? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't remember. I can picture the DVD cover, but I can't think of it. It's going to pop into my head in about two seconds. That had an impact on surfing, right? I'm and sure. you know the the movie Wild, um, and you know all of the various sort of through hike going to go out and van life it in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and hopefully mm-hmm. not eat the wrong seeds and die or things like that. Those yeah. are, those movies really had an impact too, especially on through hiking. There was an increase in through hike after those movies. So we didn't do anything to take advantage of that. I think, I think this is an area, we'll call it a area of opportunity for us. Yeah. I love it. You go work on your movie script and I'll work on a way that we can capitalize on the increased stoke. Following sweet. your blockbuster movie. Well, you know, I say that, you know, what we can do is we can just switch papers and then sit in each other's role for a while <laughs> and then switch back. Oh, I don't know That's about that. All. But I, yeah, I'm I'm very interested in the dynamics of passion in our industry, even mm. though I'm a mathematician. It just, it fascinates me because I can't really measure it very well. I know what it is. I can feel it. It's, you That's know, I should have gone into I a social science, Kelly. Ha! I ended up here anyway, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, actually, the idea of what's really helped me over the years as a researcher, Patrick, is the ability mm-hmm. to say, I don't know. Or just oh, say, yeah, maybe, totally. you know, I don't completely understand this rather than going in with, a, you know, the arrogant, the arrogant idea that I, I know everything there is about social sciences and, the, and emotions and human behavior. The idea yeah. that I'm a mathematician that came in just saying, I don't, I have no clue, right? I'm, I'm barely functional myself sometimes. <laughs> the idea that you could integrate that with, with some... You know, actually, some pretty basic probability, um, yeah. some mathematical probability. There's a there's a lot of ground we could cover in terms of uncovering some of the patterns and and how they actually affect the market on on a lot of different levels, including participation in sales. I take it. I'm glad we got there. Right on. So it was a windy road today. I mean, hell, it is the That's first okay. week of January. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.